This is the Barbecue Central Show Archives. The Barbecue Central Show airs live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices and a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by Big Papa Smokers, creators of fabulous rubs, online retailer of grills, accessories, apparel, and creators of their own barbecue contest. Visit them online at BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, creators of injections and rubs, sweeping the nation, doing well in competitions and in the backyard. You can visit them at ButcherBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Call 440-943-2700 and use key term Barbecue Brother when you talk to Steve. Or visit them online at StephenDeFranco.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the best pellet grills you can get on the market today. Varying sizes, not only for your capacity of cooking, but for your budget as well. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard. Looking for a little bit of heat and flavor and regular old yellow mustard? El Diablo has you covered. Six different flavors to choose from currently. And you can find them at LDiabloMustard.com. And by CookingPellets.com. Have a pellet-driven cooker? Why not try out some of the best pellets on the market? And will not void any of your warranties, by the way. CookingPellets.com is the website. And by CookShack, a premier manufacturer of electric and pellet-driven cookers, giving barbecue classes located in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Always running some kind of a special deal. Check them out at CookShack.com. This is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. Oh, yeah. It's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. You see fit to jump into the show tonight, more than happy to have you. 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show has forgotten or can be found, has forgotten, has or can be found at thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening on the show tonight, in case you didn't get the newsletter, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Coming up in about... 13 minutes from now, a monthly guest, the man that runs one of the most prolific barbecue and grilling websites in the globe, Meathead Goldwood, will be joining us. That's right, Meathead. 
tonight promises to have a lot of smoke ring talk, from what I understand. Uh, aside from smoke ring talk, I mean, who knows what could happen? Could be crazy, whack, funky. Some people say Meathead is uh, the place to go to when it comes to barbecue and grilling information. You be the judge for yourself if you've never heard him before. And then we'll move to the second hour. Uh, We were off last week, which we'll address here in a second. And coming up in the second hour, only three of the best pork cooks on the competition trail. The competition pork butt roundtable will convene at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So uh, that's what you have locked and loaded in for the evening. And again, you can jump in here in the first hour if you see fit, 216-220-0966, or email greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. We were off last week, but the week before that, you were introduced to a friend of the neighborhood, and he joins me again this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Desmond Motley, ladies and gentlemen. Desmond, how are you, bud? I'm doing better. Better than what? Well, I just did the ice challenge. I know that's right. Whoa there. As a matter of fact, as luck as luck may or may not have it, as I quickly scroll through all of my Facebook stuff here. <laughs> I mean, it's all the rage. You can't get on Facebook anymore and not see somebody that's decided to take the Facebook... Uh, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Wow, that lady's got no shirt on on Facebook. Yeah. This lady's going to get it over the top of a fence post. All right. For some reason, it's not showing up directly. <laughs> Sorry. Right, so. Yeah, it was it was uh, extremely cold because Andy decided to fill the bucket halfway up with ice and top it off with water, ice cold Yeah, water. well, that's how you do it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people fake the challenge. They just put water in the bucket. What does that even mean, fake the challenge? It, you know, you don't do it wholeheartedly. Oh, that's ridiculous. You know, they All call right. it the ice challenge for a reason. You put ice in it. Yeah, here's Desmond Motley doing the ice bucket challenge here just as early as a couple minutes ago. And I nominate James Page, Patrick Bain, and Kevin Justice. You have 24 hours. Look at this guy. He's about oh, <laughs> holy shit! Wearing, <laughs> running out of my backyard. That's it. You're- Was it cold? Yeah. <laughs> Ice bucket challenge. Is it cold? You damn right, it's cold. Yeah, I've never seen anybody get oh, taken. Stop recording. Yeah, that's and you, right. And your wife you. wouldn't stop recording. No, no. She just ran with it. You damn right. She knows. Uh, she knows gold when she sees it on the Facebooks. Well, you know what? I've been. I've been. Nominated for this challenge on Twitter, yep. Facebook, Instagram. I've got emails. It's ridiculous. And this, so tonight is the first night you've done the face or the uh, ice bucket challenge, or have you done it like multiple times? I've known no, some this people is have the, done it multiple times. This is the first time I've actually done it. Yeah. And th- so, like first or last, or might you do it again just um, for fun? Or I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, you know, uh, kind of cold, very cold, super uh, cold, uh, super cold. Yeah, because you did it right. Yeah, and I had ice cubes punch me in the eyes, basically, because <laughs> your I was in your chair. Yeah, and well, that chair has a nice little uh, recline to it. Yes, 
for an outside outdoor chair. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it got me pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it right, you might as well do it right. <laughs> yeah? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing an ice bucket challenge anymore, right? No, you cannot. It is the it is the new craze. Does let me ask you something? Do you think it's watered down anything, or do you think that only any publicity is going to be helping that? No pun intended with the watered down. By the way, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, thank you, thank you. I don't I don't necessarily know. I mean I mean it has. Did you know about ALS? As much yeah, actually, before? a friend of mine who I used to play ball with uh, occasionally, he uh, he actually has ALS. So I know exactly what the what the disease is. But do you think you you know more about a bucket of ice water than you know more about ALS, or do you think hand in hand you're knowing more about the disease and the fact that people are jumping know, buckets of ice water? I know me personally. I know more about the disease. Typically, a lot of people are just doing it for you know basically solidarity and everybody getting in and want to be Band a part wagons. of it. They want to be Cleveland Browns fans, is what you're saying. And we're not going to get into that because both of those guys look terrible last right. night. Looking at that game makes me want to watch basketball even more. <laughs> for any for for a myriad of reasons, none of uh, none of which are more important than the LeBron James. No, I mean until until Saturday when everything can be said and done and we get Kevin Love. Uh, no. I'm not. <laughs> hopefully, you know. Hopefully, the NBA doesn't put the kibosh on that. Here's yeah. something that I found incredibly interesting just a couple days ago, Desmond. Okay. And uh, you're a father of a young, strapping lad. Uh, I have fathered three daughters, uh, now much older than yours, of course. But we've all gone through this period of child rearing. <laughs> yes. And uh, rule number one of the show, no names, please. The backyard neighbor to us... Has recently had an offspring, and I mean, what, what are we talking? How old are we talking, Desmond? Couple weeks? Couple weeks? Maybe two tops. Fresh, fresh baby. Yeah, fresh yeah, baby. Fresh baby. She has got this kid in the front-facing backpack, but the kid is not old enough to no. keep its head up. It looks like she's walking him around and hanging him or her uh, all during the walk. The kid just looks like. <laughs> it's one of the most horrific sights. Have you seen it around the neighborhood? I, I have. Don't you feel obligated to walk up to her and be like, I, hey, neighbor, you're, I, you're hanging <laughs> your kid. You know, I hope they're not watching the show. <laughs> I uh, hope they're not listening. It. Guarantee it. They're not watching. I hope they're not listening. No way. <laughs> but, uh, I've, you know, you know, me and the wife were talking, and some people have that, you know, maternal and you know, maternal instinct, and she's I, one of those people. Who don't just does not. I don't understand the need for the the backpack. Like carry the kid, <laughs> or, or, or put him in a stroller. Yes, it's one or the other. <laughs> Especially, I mean, you know, if you're a woman, I guess you could get away with it. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a man <laughs> and you're wearing. A baby backpack, front or back, it makes no difference. You're not less or more of a man if you wear it on the front or the back. I mean, no. carry your kid like you like it, or put it in the stroller like you don't. I mean, own it one or the other. Don't 
Wear it like a satchel of books. <laughs> On your first day of class. Yes. Your freshman year of college. Books can hold up their head better than that baby for crying out loud. Oh, God, that is terrible. I Why wanted am I to laughing? intervene. I wanted to say, lady. Look, Why am I laughing? Here I'm, I'm here to give you guidance. Your baby's choking to death as you leisurely stroll about. Leisurely. Yeah. <laughs> That's the essence of leisure right there. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, Meathead is coming up out of the break. Desmond Motley joining us here for the show tonight. More from Desmond in just a bit. Uh, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. Folks, do you need an easy and consistent smoker for your barbecue? Check out Cook Shack's largest residential electric smoker, the AmeriQ model SM066. Be a barbecue genius with this easy-to-use smoker. You'll get a bunch of great things with this, a knowledge base. You'll get the access to the Cook Shack Forum, which is guided by Smoke and Oki, a guy who has been on the barbecue forum trails for years. Also, uh, potentially, you'll get free gifts when you purchase a model SM066. Just tell the uh, friendly and professional sales team at Cook Shack that you heard about the SM066 right here on this show. You can uh, call them directly at 800-423-0698. You can order directly online at cookshack.com. Just a little bit about the AmeriQ. It uses real wood chunks to smoke your foods. It's inexpensive to operate, energy efficient, due to the spin glass insulation. And heavy-duty stainless steel construction features a digitally controlled thermostat system that uh, has a meat probe. It holds up to 50 pounds of meat, for instance, and vegetables. If you like vegetables, um, I know I love all kinds of vegetables on the cookers and the grills. All Cook Shack's products come with that no-risk 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't delay. Hurry up, head on over to the website cookshack.com again or call 800-423-0698 and tell our friendly sales staff that you heard about the AmeriQ model SM066 right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Again, that's Cookshack model SM066, the AmeriQ. And you can celebrate barbecue every single day and twice on Sunday if you'd like. Hurry up because you never know when they might sell out and then you're going to have to wait for stock. You're going to be emailing me saying, I waited too long. Nevertheless, uh, don't fret. Meathead is coming up to talk smoke ring, to talk salt. I mean, who knows what else? He's Meathead for crying out loud. We'll be right back. Stick around. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm flabbergasted. And you're going to see why here in a sec. This one, I think he couldn't get more outrageous in an introduction. He decides to blow smoke up my ass. Desmond Motley sitting in tonight, uh, but we race over to the hotline and welcome in the monthly guest, 
the man that has founded and now runs the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face, dare I say, of the proverbial earth. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Meathead, how are you, bud? I'm smoking. Oh, shit. No, Meathead, it's not working. Hold on a second. Look at what I've done here. What did I did? All right. Now, just hold on a second. Can't be the Barbecue Central show without some type of a faux pas. Right? Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. You know, there's another word for it. Yeah. I'm an idiot. There he is, Meathead, ladies and gentlemen. And you are smoke. Oh, hold on a second. I don't like that picture at all. I'm going to go. I'm going to capture a screen region. Now we're talking. Look at this guy. Your next barbecue guy with cancer, Meathead Goldwyn. Not one, not two, but three pipes in your mouth. What are you doing, Meathead? We're going to talk smoke tonight. Man, no doubt. Do you have uh, uh, Prince Albert in there, or what? Do you uh, what's your what's your uh, line? You ever do that when you were in school? Call somebody up and say you got Prince Albert in the can. You better let him out. Yeah, right. That's my that's one of my most favorite jokes ever. How's the Cleveland Cavalier barbecue tonight? Oh, we are doing exceptionally well. Appreciate you asking, uh, Meathead. Let me uh, ask you to say hello to my neighbor, Desmond Motley, joining us here live in studio as well. Mr. Motley, what a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I, too, watched that uh, game last night, tuned in just out of curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best quarterback you got on that team sat on the bench, Rex Grossman. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we've said all we need to say about that, then. Oh, my goodness. goodness we'll move gracious. on. We will he was move throwing on. high. He was throwing low. He was throwing left. He was throwing right. He was uh, throwing behind the receivers. He was throwing in front of them. And... Okay, look, here's what we know. With all of the debate, with all of the decadence and debauchery of the offseason of the Cleveland Browns, in evaluation after two, we are no farther ahead than we have been in 1999. Oh, man. We have two quarterbacks that blow. We have receivers that can't catch. And the shining beacon of the Browns is the defense, and who cares about that? And we move on. You got basketball. Yeah, well, okay, let's just wait until basketball season starts. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's, uh, let's not look forward to the next word. Meathead, we're talking about a number of things tonight. But first, we are talking about... Well, let me ask you about this. I know you saw this on the uh, the news ticker. I subscribe to Google Alerts, which allows yes. me to uh, find about, uh, you know, cool things to talk about with the key terms is BBQ or B-A-R-B-E-B-Q-U-E or however you want to spell it. Yes, yes. The king of that is John Dawson, Patio Daddio. He is on top of it all. Yeah, well, we're, yeah, he's on top of it. But here's what uh, he brought it up. I also saw it three or four times in my Google Alert list. And this is probably hits especially close to you, considering who you're married to. Dickie's <laughs> Barbecue Pit in Utah accidentally put lye in their sweet tea instead of sugar. You so know, the question is this, aside from the safety stuff you're going to be talking about, is this potentially the death of Dickie's Barbecue Pit? Well, I don't know about the death of the business, but no? it's uh, certainly going to end up with a big lawsuit and uh, a lot of money changing hands. Uh, I read the stories and just something not adding up. I, you know, you got to watch what you say because you don't want to accuse anybody. 
But mm. that just doesn't sound like an easy accident to happen. Restaurateurs are really careful about separating um, cleaning materials from food, um, especially chains that have uh, sanitation procedures. And lye, which is a cleaning material, has the little skull and crossbones on the bottle. Yeah. It has to be labeled as poisonous. Perhaps the young person who made that mistake couldn't see it or was illiterate. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't a mistake. I don't know. I, I, I think that um, after the investigation is over, there may be more to this story than appears. Do you think, I thought right off the top of my head, that these people show up in the restaurant, uh, the guy has an, the kid has an axe to grind, and decides that uh, since they're the first people in during the day, he dumps the poison in, sees what they think, and maybe speculation, of course, uh, that he tries to, to make a, a play for her and is almost successful. But, or, or perhaps are we dealing with a chain that is growing so fast? I mean, you look, half of my Google alerts on barbecue are such and such is getting a Dickie's barbecue pit. Three have opened up here in Cleveland in the past 24 hours. Is this a, a franchise that is growing no too idea. fast with uh, too much or not enough oversight? No, no idea. I've never been there, have no opinion on it. I just can't, I, I just, I don't care how fast they're growing. It's very hard for me to fathom a restaurant um, where that kind of mistake could be made. Um, Life-threatening. I, I just, it's hard for me to believe it. Desmond, did you hear about this for Dickie's Barbecue? No, I have not. Yep. Uh, uh, kind well, of a, a hospital a, in critical condition. Yeah, a powder wow. is put into sweet tea, mistaken as sugar, but it's a, a cleaning solution, like uh, almost like an acid, right? Yeah. Meathead? Well, it's the opposite of an acid. It's a base. It's a base. It's, it's, it's a caustic. Yeah. It's on the other end of the pH scale. But, yeah, I mean, it's caustic. It, um, it, it, it can really screw you up bad if you put it in your mouth. And apparently uh, it was mixed into the uh, sweet tea instead of sugar. And that just seems like a really hard mistake to make. And yeah. the police have said, we think it's a mistake. At least that's what they're saying now. Mm, don't know how police uh, handle coverage, uh, news coverage, news releases, and stuff like that. But I'll bet you they're not done inspecting. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. AmazingRibs.com, of course, is the website. So uh, uh, more to come on that story, I'm sure. But uh, the main topic tonight, Meathead, is uh, is smoke ring, and yeah, smoke. you know, I, I want to make sure we allot enough time here because you sent me fifty eight pictures. <laughs> but I want to say this: kudos to you. You were on here last time. We were talking about the, uh, the 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 pit masters club that you can sign up for on the Amazing Ribs website. It's like twenty two or twenty three bucks or whatever it is. And then you had your first like video cast with uh, Dr. Greg Blonder, who you've mentioned roughly seven or 500,000 times here on this show. And I will again tonight. It, right. And, uh, but it was all about salt. And really, in my humble opinion, uh, aside from things that you can't control, like movie star good looks, one of the best, most informational hours out there on, uh, on, the, on the web right now, uh, if you, well, I mean, you have to pay to get it. But I think for, for your monthly or for your yearly fee, Easily, the twenty-three or twenty-four bucks is covered right there, just in that first video. I'm flattered. You think so? Oh, uh, for sure. What, what we did was, is as you know, you have often remarked at how ambitious we are. We just 
launched a database of over 100 thermometer reviews. I hired an electrical engineer to do that. We have a database with several hundred grill and smoker reviews. Um, I've just added a new columnist from the Washington Post, uh, Tamar Haskell. She's going to be writing for us about um, um, our food supply. Um, some really good stuff, and we're ambitious, and we want to grow, and we want to become a really, really good source for people who like to cook outdoors. And that costs money. And in the Internet nowadays, Advertising isn't uh, going to cut it. Uh, it was the main source of revenue, still is, from many websites. It, it, and advertising rates are plummeting. Um, nobody clicks on Internet ads anymore. Um, nobody ever really did. It's really just billboard brand recognition. Um, Google and others have set up uh, programmatic bidding sites. And so ad rates are plumbing and uh, plummeting. And... Uh, if you're a newspaper like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, or if you have like the Food Network, you have a television station that brings in revenue, you can survive. But if you're a standalone website like us, without a print or a broadcast publication, you cannot survive on advertising. Yeah. So we have a lot of fans. We have about a million plus people come to the website every month. And we launched this Pitmaster Club saying, okay, if you like the website, you want it to thrive and grow, pay twenty three ninety five a year, and uh, we I call it friends with benefits because instead of just doing like PBS and saying you know support us, <laughs> maybe we'll send you a, a, a coffee mug. We have these new monthly seminars. I'm not as skillful at the game as you, but uh, once a month I'm sitting in your type of chair and I'm interviewing somebody for an hour. We did Dr. Greg Blonder. And we talked about salt and its impact on food, and a really fascinating discussion. Dr. Blonder is extraordinarily knowledgeable, yep. and uh, thank you for saying so. A lot of people have said that one-hour broadcast for our Pitmaster Club members was worth it alone. Um, and we have a nice lineup of other great Pitmasters coming up. Uh, someone who co shows up on your show regularly, Harry Sue, is next. And we're going to try to really drill down on some of the secrets on the Weber Smoky Mountain and uh, also his skill with pla fla flavor profiles next month. And uh, we have a forum for members. And it's, it's a fun thing. and It's a good thing. And I don't, didn't really come here to talk, turn this into an ad. Uh, I came here to talk about smoke. But it, it, yeah. it, it, it's working. And um, we got 1,300 members, so you can do the math in the first 30 days. Uh, that's helping tremendously. Um, we're going to add uh, a lot of cool new stuff, and I think it will afford us the ability to grow and uh, become better. Meathead Goldwyn, AmazingRibs.com. If you uh, haven't checked it out, uh, go ahead. Try out that Pitmasters Club. See what you think. I mean, it's only uh, 24 bucks or whatever it is for the year. I mean, it's not per month, so a uh, very nominal fee for all the information you're going to get extra aside from the uh, great website that is AmazingRibs.com. So in regards to smoke ring Meathead, I mean, we hear about it all the time when the newbies are getting into barbecuing, whether it's on a stick burner, whether it's on a Weber Smoky Mountain, what have you, inevitably the how did the smoke ring look or I didn't get enough smoke ring and so on and so forth about this mysterious little uh, part of the barbecue art. Maybe in a, a general sense, can you put a definition on smoke ring, as it were? It's making me sneeze this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let, let's 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 go back and begin with at the basics. Yep. Let's talk about smoke, and and what is smoke to begin with? 
because that's a really it, it, get the basic concepts. And we're all barbecuers and grillers, and well, the reason we love to do it is because of the smoke flavor. And a lot of people really don't understand what's in smoke. Um, slide number one, can you pull it up? Yep. Oh, well, that was an intro slide. Okay, that's a pretty picture. That's just some smoke in a vortex uh, on, a, on a charcoal grill. How about number two? There, there we go. go. Now, I don't know if you guys can see this. But, of course uh, I can. Nice work. Um, yeah, nice. Very nice. Um, uh, as you can see, there we have um, the four different major different um, uh, uh, smoke sources. Um, wood, uh, there are a lot of people who burn pellets or burn logs. Um, charcoal, gas, and electric. And what's in those smokes? And in three basic categories, there's gas, there's liquids, and there's solids. Now the gases include carbon monoxide, it's a big one, um, carbon dioxide, nitrogen oxide, and we'll get to that one in a little bit, and then a whole bunch of other stuff, alcohol and uh, polymers and more stuff. Liquids, water vapor, there's a lot of water vapor in smoke. Wood, when you burn wood, is usually dried. Um, it's often down as low as 5 or 10% moisture, but there's still moisture in there. And uh, so there's, there's water vapor that comes off in the smoke um, and other compounds. And then solids. And it's the solids that we see mostly. It's the solids that include um, char, from, like in charcoal, creosote, ash, and other things. And the size of those solids are what determines the color of the smoke. If they're very large particles, then the smoke can be black because it'll absorb uh, a lot of the light striking it. Um, what we most commonly see is white smoke. And the old-timey pitmasters who really know their stuff and have been around for a long time, they go after what's called blue smoke, yeah. which is barely visible. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not there because there's a lot of stuff that's not visible. And it's what's not visible that gives the food its flavor. The particulates, the large objects that you see are not very flavorful. And they land on the surface of the meat. Most of them go past the meat. The meat is sitting there and the air is moving through very quickly if you think about it hold your hand above the chimney, it's blasting out of there. There's a rapid turnover of air inside that chamber. And a lot of it goes right past the meat. Dr. Blonder uh, says it's like um, when you're driving in a car uh, down the highway, the, uh, the small particles like the gnats go right over the windshield. The big particles like the, the big bugs and the bees and birds, they hit the windshield. Uh, a lot of these particles stick to the surface but most of them go past and out. And especially there's this air bubble around the meat. Um, and often it's a cold air bubble because the meat is cooler than the air around it. If you're cooking at 225, the meat can't go up above 212. So it's a cool air bubble. And when you bring it out of the fridge, it's 38. Um, and so there's a quite a big differential between the temperature uh, of the meat and the temperature of the air. And there's this cool air bubble around it. And a lot of these, particulates and other things go around the meat and um, they escape. So you have a lot of these compounds in wood burning and in charcoal burning, fewer of them in gas burning um, and almost none in electric burning. Electric burning, there's no real burning. It's just 
uh, electric element that heats up and um, uh, produces warmth. So for electric and gas, and to a lesser extent charcoal, we add wood to the fire to get um, uh, aromatic smoke and compounds that we think will produce nice flavors. Um, and so there's no combustion in electric, but there is combustion in gas, charcoal, and wood, and they create different byproducts. Um, and the wood is where a lot of the best flavors and aromas come from. Um, and, and they come from the burning of cellulose and hemocyte. They're, they're basically carbohydrates. Um, they're basically sugars that burn in the wood. Um, uh, there's a compound called lignin, which is, is important, but um, we won't get into too much of the chemistry here. What's really important, and this is crucial, we'll get to this subject in a little bit, when it comes to choosing your wood, um, the compounds that are in the wood depend an awful lot on the climate and the soil. And Greg, I know you, like I, am a wine lover, yeah. and both understand that the soil and the climate drastically affect the quality of grapes. The same is true of wood. So um, uh, we, we have uh, a lot of, lot of stuff going on when we create smoke. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. This is the soundbite, of course, I wanted to play. Ah, oh, sweet blue. That's the one, right? Everybody loves ah, yeah, oh, sweet, blue, sweet blue, for sure. Um, so that's, uh, that's smoke in its essence. So when we talk about smoke ring, how is, yeah. that, uh, like, how is that formed on the meat? Obviously, there's uh, any number of ideas. There was you know, very large... Uh, mind thought uh, even when i'm doing the the competition roundtables and the backyard roundtables is you know do, a do you let your meat come up to room temperature before you put it on and then if people say yes i do of course my next question to follow up to rebut them is well aren't you worried that the there's going to be a lack of smoke ring that's developed because traditionally from what i've been told a, a colder piece of meat will have a tendency to take on a better smoke ring than uh, something that is farther up the temperature scale yeah, and we've discussed this before, and a really interesting experiment that Dr. Blonder has done that you guys can all replicate at home, I've done it myself, is get uh, a beer can, two beer cans, uh, empty them in the usual fashion, um, fill one with <laughs> ice-cold water and leave the other empty, and put them on your smoker. And after about a half hour, the one that has the ice-cold water on it will be covered with smoke precipitate. You'll see a, uh, a, a nice dark brown or yellowish layer on it. The one that's empty will have very little smoke on it. Smoke is attracted to damp surfaces and wet surfaces. And uh, again, this is a great research that Dr. Blonder has done that's uh, really original. And a lot of this stuff we have on the website. Uh, let's see what number two slide looks like. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm pushing back the, uh, or number three, there we go. Uh, oh, yeah, we were talking about different kinds of smoke. Um, we have two slabs of rib he ribs here. The one on the left is, they're both cooked at the same time. The one on the left is cooked on a charcoal smoker yep. with wood, and the one on the right, uh, both cooked at the same temperature, both finished at the same time, the one on the right on a smoker. Let's see the next picture. Okay, now this is a really interesting experiment. This is Dr. Blonder's photograph. Um, he uh, took um, wet paper, filter pads, and uh, put a dry pad an oil-soaked pad and a water pad in a smoker, and look which one attracted all the water. I mean, I'm all the smoke. Yeah, the water. Smoke is attracted to wet surfaces. That's why 
spritzing your meat is a good idea. It keeps it wet, and as we also know, when the meat dries, it dehydrates, and that's the surface drying out. It's becoming like um, a, a jerky almost. It also is cooling the meat, and that's what keeps it cooking for a long time, and we've talked about the stall in previous issues. That's what causes the stall. Cooling the meat from evaporation um, creates the stall. So if you wet it, you attract more smoke, but you also cool the meat, and that cooks it longer, prolongs the stall, but it also gives the meat more time to melt fat and collagen. Next slide, please. All right. Now here, he took three bathroom tiles and put one in. Uh, the one on the left actually never went in the smoker. One went in warm and one went in frozen. And again, the wow. cold surface attracts the smoke. Uh, it's called thermophoresis um, and cold surfaces. So this whole idea of taking your meat out and letting it come to room temperature um, may be a mistake. If you want to attract smoke, cold, wet surfaces will attract smoke. Plus, as I've demonstrated in experiments on the, that you can see on my website, it takes almost an hour for an inch and a half steak to come to room temperature, and it takes eight no, I forget, six hours for a pork butt to come to room temp. Wow. So, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it's just not coming to room temp. It'll warm slightly, but it's not coming to room temp, and you don't necessarily want it to. So let's move to the next slide. This is like a PowerPoint show. Um, all right, we'll get to this in a, in a little bit. Now, you were asking, I've been kind of pushing the discussion of the smoke ring back because I wanted to lay this um, groundwork first. Now, the smoke ring... Um, you don't need smoke, um, and a lot of people know this because you can get a smoke ring by applying pink salt or prog yep. powder, they call it. Yep. Uh, it's a curing salt to the surface, and it's got nitrites in it, and so everybody assumed it's nitrites. Um, in fact, it's not. It's, uh, Blonder has proven it's nitrogen oxides and carbon monoxide, NO and CO. And I know nitrites and nitrogen oxides sound alike, but they're different compounds. And um, he's done experiments where he has actually pumped pure nitrogen oxide or nitrogen oxide diluted with uh, uh, other gas uh, into uh, a container with the meat and created a smoke ring. Um, and in fact, he's also had me take, uh, and you guys can do this at home too, I took a slab of ribs, put it on a pellet smoker for 30 minutes, brought it indoors, finished the cooking indoors for another three, four hours, and by golly, there was one heck of a fine smoke ring in there. 30 minutes in a pellet smoker is yeah. all it took to get a good smoke ring. So he's proven without, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and the proof, I have it on my website on the article on smoke ring, and he's, there's some really interesting um, that he did where he wrapped meat in parchment paper, wrapped it in a HEPA filter, wrapped it in a Reynolds bag, which is used for turkey yeah, yeah, cooking, yeah. butcher paper, which is popular in Texas, and a craft paper bag. All of them got smoke rings. Um, and it's, it's primarily nitrogen oxide as well as carbon monoxide. And so he's actually calculated how much nitrogen oxide is in the exhaust of different smokers. Really fascinating stuff, 
but it is it is almost entirely N-O and C-O. Hmm. All right, uh, Meathead, you uh, relax here just for a second. You're uh, you're on a smoking rage right now. <laughs> AmazingRibs.com, of course, the website. Uh, let me talk to you quickly, folks, about El Diablo Mustard. You know, uh, July is over, August rapidly coming to a close. Some of the most hotly contested grilling seasons of the year, and El Diablo Mustard wants you to turn your ordinary barbecue into some of the hottest stuff on earth. That's right, folks. Try adding some El Diablo's fiery habanero, roasted chipotle, flaming jalapeno or spicy mango into your sauce, marinade or rub for a new flavor kick that's hot and intense. El Diablo features currently six bold flavors that taste great. They're hot as hell. For instance, try mango for island heat on your meat. Add a kick of Southwest with roasted chipotle for blazing layers of flavor. Try Steakhouse for a zing of Worcestershire and tangy tomato. Make an ordinary dog into an instant chili dog with El Diablo's Texas chili mustard. Try jalapeno on some hot bacon or perhaps a real hamburger for jalapeno puree and a mustard zing. Last but not least, try habanero for that flavor inferno. You daring types, you demand all heat all day. That's the one you want to try. Get grilling, add some heat to your meat. Connect with El Diablo on the Twitters or the Facebooks for recipes, tips, and giveaways, bold flavors, great taste, hot as hell. And again, that website, if you want to check it out, eldiablomustard.com. You can find out where to get your own. You'll be happy that you did, trust me. Especially, you know, if you like just regularly, like the mustard flavor, but you like a little pop of heat, the jalapeno is probably where you want to start out at, and then you can get a little bit more exotic from there. When they say that you, um, the uh, that uh, Mexican chili dog one tastes like instant chili dog, not a lie. If you like chili dogs, that might be another one you want to try right away. ElDiabloMustard.com. That's ElDiabloMustard.com. We're back with more Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, back at it, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Meathead Goldwyn joining us. Desmond Motley sitting in tonight. There he is. Look at that guy. He's handsome. Uh, Meathead, we're talking about smoke ring. Uh, you gave us the intricacies of you know how it's uh, formed, how you can cheat to a smoke ring, and of course anybody that's worth their salt in the barbecue world knows that you can cheat to make a smoke ring. Um, but as far as like further information or other pictures and stuff that we can get to, what else do we have on the smoke ring front? Well, there's it's really important to discuss. Uh, we should discuss the mechanism because it's really interesting what happens with the nitrogen oxide and the carbon di- uh, monoxide. What happens is, is if you notice, most beef, for example, let's look at brisket, um, it, it, it has a, um, that's pork, but it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, the juices that come out of meat are pink, and we've, as we've discussed, they're not um, blood. It's myoglobin. Myoglobin is a water a protein liquid that uh, is within the cells. And um, uh, it's, 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 it's re- it works with the hemoglobin, but it's not the same. If it was blood, it would coagulate. It would be thick and it would be black. Um, myoglobin is what gives meat its pinkish color. 
Um, and the more myoglobin, the darker it is. So B, for example, is fairly dark because it's loaded with myoglobin. What happens is, is the carbon monoxide and the nitrogen oxide penetrate the surface of the meat and fix, lock in the pink color of the meat, of the myoglobin. So it's not changing the color. It's preventing the color from changing. And what happens then is that the meat towards the center, when it reaches up about 170 degrees or so, it changes and it changes its color, goes gray or tan, but the outer layer remains pink. And uh, uh, it, although the gases will penetrate fat somewhat, um, it, it will not penetrate, um, uh, yeah, keep scrolling. Let's see what other pictures we got that I sent you. Um, I just pulled this one up off the Googles. Oh, yeah. I sent, scroll through some of the ones I sent you. Uh, we'll come back to this one because uh, this is really interesting. All right. Uh, we'll stay here for a second. Um, the, 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 the meat in the center, it's called denaturing. It, 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 the proteins change. And uh, uh, so, all right. So, it won't. It will penetrate through fat, but if you have, say, a quarter inch of fat, it won't penetrate all the way through the meat. That it'll just penetrate maybe a quarter inch. So if you want a good smoke ring, you need to get rid of as much of the fat as possible. Otherwise, the fat blocks the gases from getting through to the meat. Um, and so that's a, another good reason I've been advocating re removing fat as much as possible for a long time. Um, and uh, this is just a picture. This is, a, I think you've talked to Darren Worth of Iowa Smokey D's. Um, I just stuck my head into his Yoda, uh, into his um, Jambo, and uh, this is what I saw. And this is pretty typical of, um, uh, of stick burners. Um, uh, small, hot fires produce blue smoke, and blue smoke has the best flavor. Big uh, everybody knows when they start a charcoal fire in their Weber kettle, yeah. there's billowing white smoke. Billowing white smoke is fine if you're going to do a hot dog or a hamburger or a steak and you need smoke fast because you don't have a lot of time. But if you're going to cook a brisket or um, a pork shoulder and they're going to be on there for a long time, that billowing white smoke can leave a ashy flavor. And you want blue smoke if you can get it. And this is pretty typical of what um, a, a good stick burner will do. Mostly um, embers with a couple of chunks of wood thrown in for flavor. Now, let's go back one, if you can, to the previous slide. Oops, you're going the wrong way. But that's okay. There we go, this one. This is something that's a really interesting experiment that everybody out there should do. Um, if you'll take a piece of meat, like this is a, a pork loin, and smoke it, and then cut out a core sample and taste the center. Now be careful that you don't get any of the juices from the outside, any of the juices from the bark, or any of the uh, juices from the knife uh, onto that center piece. But that center piece of meat will taste like pork. It will not, not taste like smoke. It will not taste like garlic. It will not taste like sugar. It will not taste like paprika. All of that stuff is a surface treatment. Yep. It doesn't get beyond the surface. The only thing that gets down in there is salt. Salt can get down in there. We 
as you said, part of what we discussed in our SALT seminar. It's a very small molecule that splits into different electrically charged ions, and it motors right on through to meet. What about, what about injections? What about injections? Yeah, now, okay, if you want to inject, then you can get it down in there. Dave Busca, I think he's here in the butcher's barbecue. Yeah. Now, yeah. you use his stuff, you squirt that down in the center, you can bring flavor down to the center. And injecting is a great way to move flavor down in the center. In fact, you can just inject with um, a saline solution with a brine, salt water, and that will help the meat hold on to moisture. Or you can add seasoning, or you can add flavor, or you can add phosphates and other things that help the meat hold on to moisture. And that's what a lot of competition cooks are doing now. Dave makes some of the best in the business. Um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. But without that, you're just getting nice, plain old pork. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I like pork flavor. I mean, it's got to taste like pork at some point, right? That's why you're making pork. Yeah, I mean, I talk to guys all the time, and we're going to inject it with Cajun spices and Dr. Pepper. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, why don't you just drink the Dr. Pepper? It tastes better that way. Why do you want pork to taste like Dr. Pepper? Um, but, you know, I mean, people like to, like to tinker. So um, scroll through some more pictures here. Oh, here we go. This was sent to me by a reader, um, and uh, it, it, it's really good. You can see two smokestacks. The one in the foreground, there's your blue smoke. The one in the background, there's your white smoke. Both produce a decent flavor, but most folks who like barbecue and no barbecue will tell you that it's the blue smoke that makes the best flavor. Yep. And this, this, now this is a great way, everybody knows about this, just a, 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 a wood chips or chunks or pellets in a foil bag with some holes in it, that will produce white smoke. And that's a great way, if you're doing chicken wings or burgers or something, you want smoke, white smoke will do it for you in a hurry. Hold on, I think we got another item here. <laughs> Hold on, here we go. There you go, another smoke. Uh, this, this is a product, I mean, a lot of people ask me about the Amazing Tube. And that's a neat product, but I like this one better. This is Moe's Smoking Pouch. And it's a very fine mesh um, stainless steel. And you put your wood chips in there, and, and, and um, it, it controls the amount of oxygen to it. So they smolder, and you get a billowing white smoke. Yeah. Um, and that's good if, when, you're, when you're going after billowing white smoke. If you want blue smoke, small hot fires, don't soak your wood. <laughs> Keep your pit clean. Get the grease out of there, and the gre grease smoke doesn't taste as good as wood smoke. I don't care what your neighbor or your buddy down the hall says. Um, you've got to clean your grates. You've got to get the grease out of there. That's not going to make your food taste good. And there, of course, is a beautiful brisket um, smoke ring. And one of the things that's interesting about this picture, if you look carefully, the little black areas... Those are blood vessels, um, and uh, um, just, I, it, I wish I could use a pointer, but you can see some milky areas. That's melted collagen. Um, that's connective tissue that's melted. Um, and uh, so, you, you, it, really cool if you can look up closely. Brisket really shows you the structure of the meat. You can really see the muscle fibers, the bundles, the collagen. If you can look at it up closely with a magnifying glass, next time you do brisket, cut a slice and get a magnifying glass and look at it up close. It's really cool. And then this is one of Blonder's experiments, wrapping all the meats in bags 
so that none of the particulate matter can get through. The white powder, the, the smoke can't get through. Um, and, you know, I really didn't properly introduce Blonder. We talked about him earlier. But I'm, when I say Blonder, I'm talking about Dr. Greg Blonder, who was at one time the head of research at Bell Labs. Um, he's retired. Um, he's a great barbecue fan. He and I connected a couple of years ago, and uh, we subsidize him. We give him grants and uh, um, uh, talk a lot about barbecue. And uh, he does these wonderful experiments. He's got some very sophisticated equipment. But a lot of them are just as simple as this, taking a paper bag, taking butcher. And by the way, this is the same butcher paper that Aaron Franklin uses. He went and ordered it from Texas, um, parchment paper and wrapping of it. And uh, the next picture, slide. All right. This is what came out. You can see that there's smoke rings from the butcher paper, the parchment paper, the HEPA filter, and the uh, Reynolds bag. All of them created a smoke ring, and the white billowy stuff just can't get through those bags. And uh, this we can skip by, but it, it, it shows how much nitrogen oxide uh, appears in different kinds of um, uh, smoke. And here you can see how the fat is blocking the smoke ring in this one little yeah. section there. You can, I mean, you can see that rather clearly. The bottom has a nice smoke ring, yep. but that top portion, uh, you get in a quarter of an inch from the left, and there's nothing else on the top. Right. The fat blocks it. Um, and, and, I, and now I like to keep a very thin layer of fat so that the gases ah. will get through. But if you have a thick layer of fat, they won't ah. get through. I just like saying fat. Fat. Right. <laughs> I know um, your drops. <laughs> Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Uh, anything else to uh, to tie a bow on the smoke ring subject? Um, scroll through some of the pictures and see if we're missing anything interesting. Oh no, we went through all of them. That's it. Yes. Um, it's it's a complicated subject, and Dr. Blonder's research is really um, groundbreaking. Um, uh, people knew for a while that it had something to do with nitrogen. Nobody was sure. Um, I don't think anybody was certain about um, nitrogen oxide. Uh, he's definitively proven it. Um, and uh, I, we've got this, and I've got links to his website where the original research appears. It's a little more complicated than the way I've written it up. Uh, but if you want, want more, it's on AmazingRibs.com and then links through to his website. Really fascinating stuff. Um, and uh, But the stuff about understanding what smoke is and what, causes the smoke flavors, how to get the best smoke. That should be required reading for all of us. Meathead, let me ask you uh, one question, and if you can tie it up in a minute, I'd appreciate it. But, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, in competition trails, in backyard trails, that a pellet cooker doesn't give you anywhere near the same smoke ring that you would get on a charcoal-driven slash wood chunk uh, Weber Smoky Mountain-type cooker or a traditional stick burner. Uh, is that something that uh, you have tasked Greg Blonder to find out about? Is that Talk something you have found it, out it, about? There's some of it here. Um, it's not so much the pellet smoker, per se. Um, it's the wet surfaces, um, the cold meat, um, and one of the things about the pellet smoker is it burns very efficiently, very clean, um, and it doesn't put out a lot of this white, billowy smoke. Right. So it's a, I like to say it's a um, string quartet where um, uh, the uh, stick burner is the full orchestra. Um, I happen to like the elegance of the pellet smoker wood, 
But you can get, I mean, I, the, the example I mentioned earlier, 30 minutes in a Mac two-star. I took two slabs of ribs, put them both in the Mac two-star at the same time, and after 30 minutes, pulled one out, put it in my indoor oven, and then I had my chef um, serve them to me blind, and they were almost impossible to tell apart. Yeah. I could actually tell them apart because of the bark. You could see a difference in the bark because the one on this pellet smoker accumulated more particulates and was darker in color. Right. But the smoke ring was almost identical after 30 minutes. Wow. Uh, fabulous stuff. Again, you can get it at AmazingRibs.com. Try the Pitmasters Club for uh, 24 bucks uh, for the year. Thank and you. Uh, see what you think about that. And uh, as always, Meathead, appreciate the conversation, and we will look for you again. Believe it or not, uh, say it almost every uh, show now because I started saying it in February. 2014, Meathead, rapidly coming to a close. It'll be September the next time we talk again, really in like two or three weeks, believe it or not, because you're typically on the second. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we're we're flying by. There you go. Uh, But we will uh, talk again next month. Always a pleasure, Greg, and uh, good luck to your football team this year. Well, all right. We'll we'll pick it up again next month then, I guess. There's uh, Meathead Gold. I think we're not going to be picking anything up again next month, Dysman. Are are you excited or not excited about the Cleveland Browns? Oh, God. Enough said without saying anything. (laughs) Cautiously cautious, I think. I I just feel our defense is very ramped up in in every area. Uh, they've They've improved in each area. Defense wins championships. Yeah. Offense, you know, uh, what I've seen from the last two games, preseason games, is what I've seen in the last few seasons of the Browns. They can't score in the red zone. That's right. Get out. If you can't put points on the board, play all the defense you want. Still going to lose by at least one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers. If you don't know about them, Big Papa's is the one-stop shop. For anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all-American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, and even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. Their rubs have won almost every major competition barbecue event, including the 2012 and 13 World Series of Barbecue in Kansas City, the 2012 Jack Daniels Invitational, the 2013 Kingsford Invitational, 2014 Houston Livestock and Rodeo, plus many more to come in the future. Of course, BPFs has banded together with fellow California-based barbecue rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become the West Coast offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on a competitive barbecue flavor and begun to redefine that profile that competition cooks look for across the country. They've even created two of their own unique competitions. King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in a head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. The King of the Smoker is unique in the fact that contestants aren't allowed to use electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal, wood, and their quits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. the hell is that, Desmond? what mice are running amok. Uh, The other competition is the guinea pig, which is a cost-controlled competition that helps to bring in newcomers to competitive barbecue. Also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category. 
which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. On top of all that, Big Papa's has created a unique brand ambassador program, the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa's only done this within four years of being up and running in business, turning the competition world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide barbecue chain and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. We'll be talking with Sterling Ball next month, believe it or not. We'll see what he's up to. All right, uh, we'll wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. So blue ambers. What's in that dryer? Penny on top. Oh. So blue. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, uh, we are back quickly. We are going to be uh, transitioning. Oh, shit. Yeah, I just did that. Uh, we're going to be transitioning quickly into the second hour here. Don't forget, we have the uh, competition pork butt roundtable coming up. Don't forget, we also have Desmond Motley in the house. Uh, Desmond, you uh, ready to learn about pork? Yeah, All absolutely. Right. All right. Get out the, uh, the textbooks and the notebooks and whatever else. I will in, uh, be... 25 seconds we're going to be ready to go i'm all about it all right uh you're listening and watching the barbecue central show right here on the barbecue central networks from my heart and from my hand why don't people understand my intention Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono, it's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish, what? He ate since before wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, shake a face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working right now. Ooh. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. And the second hour, of course, is going to find the Pork Bud Roundtable. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by the uh, Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, 31 cities, 500000 in cash should be won. Eternal bragging rights forever if you win the whole thing. Next event will be uh, this coming Saturday, August 9th. In, uh, not 9th. What's the Saturday, Desmond? So 20, yeah, 23rd. Um, 
This will be a, a local qualifying event that uh, feeds into the Richmond, Virginia regional final that goes down August 30th. Keep up with the tour. Visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. All right, folks, uh, you tuned in for the second hour to listen to the competition Pork Butt Roundtable. And joining me now are only three of the best competition pork cooks in the country right now. David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, first place pork, KCBS right now. Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, second overall in pork, uh, FBA. And Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's, third overall pork, KCBS. Gentlemen, appreciate you uh, joining me this evening to do a little pork butt roundtable, I guess, before we... uh, Get to everything that's happening tonight and uh, get into the pre-cooked stuff and uh, the cooking and the post-cooking. Uh, why don't we quickly go around the uh, proverbial table here, the dais, if you will, and uh, find out what everybody's cooking on. And uh, we will start with uh, David Qualls from American Dream Barbecue Team. I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Dave. Appreciate it. Good. Thank you. Uh, we're cooking on Jambo. Uh, only jambos, or is that something that you have uh, progressed to over your uh, time in the competition world? I know this is our third year. First year we cooked on FECs. Last year we cooked on an R and O, which is in that picture you got up. And the next, well, this year we uh, finished off the end of last year with a J five jambo and been running with it this year too. Uh, compared to the other two, uh, the best cooker you've had so far, or do you like bits and pieces of the other cookers? Each uh, each one had their characteristics, but I think, you know, uh, proofs in the pudding, I think the Jambo is the go-to cooker for us, for sure. Uh, what about you, Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's? Uh, we started our career on pellet cookers, you know, moved to the WSM. Uh, we've cooked on about everything, but now we've been on the Jambo for the last three years. So you started, typically, I guess, uh, people start with a WSM, then might progress to a pellet cooker and then ultimately a, a stick burner. But you started with a pellet cooker and got away from it. Um, did you, uh, what What are some of the uh, precipitating events that lead you to, to go away from what you started with? Well, you know, the pellet cooker was hot. You know, it was a, it was a great cooker and people were winning a lot of championships, you know, when we started 11 years ago. And then I think in the, circuit there was a, a, a need for a little bit more spoke, smoke so guys you know started um doing some putting some chunks of wood and some charcoal in the effies and whatever and and i started kind of moving over to the wsm and getting some smoke on the on the pork or you know really for all the meats and then moving it over and using the effie and stuff as an oven um but then you know then eventually moved over to the wsm and then uh, once I went on the Jambo, I think I've got a cooker for life, never going back to anything else. Uh, Matt Barber from Hot Wachulas. What are you cooking on, buddy? Hey, uh, you know, when I first started, I had a, a little backwoods party. Uh, same thing that you're uh, cooking on now, or have you uh, graduated as well? Actually, I've, I've got my own uh, cookers that I'm, that I'm uh, working on that I should have out for sale at the end of October. Uh, I'm going to call them killer, killer smokers. Like killer, uh, like uh, we've killed you. Yeah, wow. killer smokers. Uh, and uh, I mean, it, it's an upright reverse slow, uh, similar style. They look kind of like a fast Eddie, but uh, I've been using that since last October. Is that a, uh, a pellet cooker, Matt, or is it uh, like a charcoal it, slash it, wood chunk? It, deal? It's, a, it's a charcoal wood chunk cooker uh, with a with, with a water pan. 
but have you teamed up with a, a manufacturer for this or is this something that you're making uh you're making yourselves and and putting it into market actually going to be mixed by the the people that make southern bread mm-hmm. smokers uh here in lakeland so right. and those will be uh, available uh, in october you said yeah right. yeah we'll have i mean there's there's a facebook page where i've got like a picture of the prototype uh, it's got some interesting features on it but uh you know it it took me a while to get used to it because you know it was a uh, you know, most of the cookers I've cooked on always had a hot spot. And uh, this one really didn't have a hot spot, so it took me a while to figure out my timing on my ribs, especially to uh, uh, to get my timing and temperatures down because, you know, sometimes what the gauge says on the door <laughs> isn't what it is on the grate, you know, especially towards the top of the, top of the, uh, the upright, you know, cabinet. It, it could range from, you know, on some, they could be a 50-degree swing from the middle of the cooker to the top rack. Um, but I kind of designed these to where it's pretty even, pretty uh, even flow of air so that there wasn't any cooker swing. So my ribs were at an at a hour on my rib time. Matt, do you use a uh, automatic pit temperature control device uh, situation on your cooker? Yeah. I actually, actually, Jim from Sweet Smoke uh, made me a, uh, a uh, little pit. Uh, pit fan temp controller for the for the charcoal maze on the bottom. Uh, Darren, uh, you don't use any pit temperature control device on the Jambo, do you? Um, no, just straight wind. Straight wind. Yeah, straight wind. Uh, David, uh, any any uh, auto temp controls on the Jambo for you, or just straight wind like Darren? No, straight like Darren. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask this question or where I want to ask this question. But uh, let's just uh, start off uh, with it. Why not throw caution to the wind? David, uh, let's uh, start with you. You know, when we I had uh, the competition brisket roundtable a couple of weeks ago and we talked um, not extensively, but we spent a, a decent amount on uh, manufacturer uh, purveyors of brisket, uh, the Wagyu's, the Snake River Farms and so forth. Um, I guess three or four years ago, it uh, wouldn't be that much of a topic on the pork butt side of things, but that's started to, to see, at least from my eyes, some type of an evolution as well, where uh, teams are going to uh, specific purveyors or kinds of pork um, where they had in years past. David, are you looking uh, to go to like a Sam's or a BJ's and just buying pork butt off the rack, or are you going to you know a, a Compart type deal or a Snake Rivers or a Caribouda or something like that for your pork? Last year, uh, last year I run all three. I run a uh, Hampshire uh, breed. I run Duroc, and I ran uh, just you know Sam's butts, Green Label IBPs, and, and one with all of them. But I settled in towards the middle of the end of last year with Compart. Uh, learned to cook them well, and I really like the product. There's a, there's a lot of science that goes into Compart Duroc in that whole breed and of uh, of that line. Uh, Darren, are you uh, using a specific pork purveyor at this point, or is it still, you know, just uh, going and buy off the rack? I just, uh, I've just been using seaboard, you know, commodity pork. That's what comes into the restaurant. You know, at any one time, I can walk back to the cooler and I got fifteen to twenty cases of butts that I can pick through. So, you know, that's the. The, the selection of it, I know some of that's probably coming in Duroc. Um, I saw some last night come through that I could tell just the way the money muscles were shaped and stuff, that it was Duroc product coming through and the color of it and the deep red and stuff like that. But um, I bought in about three cases of Duroc. 
um, just looked at them. They weren't, I tried to trim one up, didn't, didn't seem right for me. So I just, you know, took them over and we cooked them at the restaurant. So, you know, I'm just kind of commodity pork guy. Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, uh, your uh, purveyor of choice, or is it just uh, commodity pork like Derek? Uh, just commodity. I mean, I've, I've been stuck with the IBP as of late, uh, and I've seen to have good luck with them. Uh, I mean, I've, I've tried, you know, it's either, I prefer IBP, but I do seaboards a lot. Uh, I mean, I've tried Vander Rose Farms uh, last year, but, uh, you know, for some reason, I, I, I think, uh, between my injection and my rubs, it, it just seems to uh, uh, for the IBP pork. All right, uh, guys, relax here. We're going to do a quick break and then uh, prepare for the pre-cook events, all the preparation stuff we're going to get into here in just a second. So uh, be prepared to talk for that. Let me talk to the audience quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. That's right, makers of uh, fine quality injections, rubs, sauces, you know, if you're like me, a guy that likes to cook in the backyard, you always want to try and step it up a little bit, maybe not get on that competition trail, but uh, hope you can take Grand Champion in the backyard. And uh, David Bosca and his product, certainly a way that you can do that. You visit his website, ButcherBBQ.com. Of course, by now, anybody that's on the competition scene knows that Butcher is well-known for the injections, that pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster, all of that, again, available on his website right now. Uh, if you have always complained that, chicken isn't tasting right or i can't get flavor on, on anything other than just the outside try the bird booster you can inject right down into the meat deeply and uh, press that flavor from top to bottom and if you're looking for that go-to rubber sauce no easier place to get it than at butcher's barbecue uh, butcher's has a full line of award-winning rubs one of my uh, personal favorites i just used it on chicken last night i use it on uh, pork chops actually i didn't use it on uh, pork chops too. Desmond, you used it on pork chops the other night, right? Yeah. You loved it. It was really good. See? Uh, it gained almost uh, international internet fame a couple years ago, but uh, you've seen it on television when Dave's been on TV as well. Uh, try the steak and the brisket rub if you'd like to. Uh, if you want to do something special, get the premium rub, especially if you inject with butchers because it's formulated to work with the injection. Perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And last but not least... That uh, Butcher's Barbecue Sweet Barbecue Sauce. If I'm not making my own, few and far between will I venture to try. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, not my flavor profile, but uh, somehow Dave has one in every category for me. Not overly sweet, a nice slice of tang, right amount of back-end heat. Uh, no liquid smoke, which I appreciate, of course. Uh, I took the time and effort to make a quality sauce. You're going to want to buy six. It's going to go fast. I only have girls in the house, so... I know it's a good sauce when the girls will eat it. All of them will eat it, and they eat Dave's barbecue sauce. No worries about breaking the bank on shipping either. Head on over to ButchersBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Uh, be sure to stock up on all of that. And anything that's over $200 ships for free. So there you go. Uh, we're back with the competition pork butt roundtable pre-cooking. Stick around. We'll be back in about five seconds. Uh, Dave Bosco says, Desmond is my new best friend. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
All right, we're back with the competition pork butt roundtable. Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, and Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas are the uh, panel members. And we're going to get into the uh, preparatory stage here. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you as we get into this. Um, uh, do you use or have you ever used uh, whole shoulders, or are you just a uh, traditional Boston butt kind of guy? Just Boston butts. Uh, never done a whole shoulder. Is that something uh, that you would consider trying in a competition or, like, no way? Um, I don't know. Not a first time in a competition, but uh, uh, it is something that, that I'd like to do. I mean, one of my uh, my goals uh, next year is to, to try and uh, do an, N- an MBN or MIM uh, contest and do do the whole shebang, try and get a couple guys from, from Florida to uh, to get together and cook uh, an MIM contest, but uh, so at some point I'm, I'm going to have to uh, to get in the group. But but up until now, it's just kind of been Boston Bucks. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue team, ever messed around with uh, the hold shoulder stuff or done picnics, or has it always been uh, just the Boston butt for you? Yeah, the straight butts. I mean, David would be nice. I'd like to go to Lambert and Malcolm Reed's class to kind of just learn to mess with a shoulder because I think it's a good exhibition piece to cook, you know, for friends or family, or we do some fundraiser stuff and cook pork for, but, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any room in KCBS for full shoulders. Uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's ever uh, messed around with a whole shoulder or is it, uh, just the, the pork butt for you? Oh, I've played around. I, I've cooked, I've cooked a few shoulders and I've, I've helped cook some shoulders in Memphis and May. Um, stuff fun to deal with, but no place for it in my repertoire in KCBS. Darren, do you notice a? You know, I've heard from time to time that the the, the picnic will give you a, uh, I guess in, in a layman's term, a more of a hammy taste. Is that something that you could uh, confirm, or do you not find it to be, you know, uh, as hammy? I didn't. I, I didn't find that so much as more as I found the meat just a different texture, kind of that stringy meat through there that I know is really popular in the Southeast, but, um, you know, the, all I noticed was really texture, not taste. But then again, I'm not a, I'm not a good taster. I, I really don't taste much of my food. So, you know, I just do everything by feel and looks. Is uh, Sherry the taster? Um, except for when it comes to pork, you know, Sherry, nobody tastes the pork at our place. How the hell you, do it. How do you know it was good? You know what? If you only cook a certain amount of pork, yeah. and that's the amount that needs to get turned into the judges, <laughs> does it matter whether it's good or not? I, I, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if 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 ninety percent of what I cook gets turned into the box, yeah, does it matter whether it's good? I probably not. Right? It's it's kind of like the argument of cooking. You know, a lot of cooks out there cook two briskets because they say one's always better than the other. And I said, how could it be if you cook one? <laughs> well, that's right. Fine logic, Darren, uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D. Um, uh, David, let me jump back to you real quick. Uh, have, or, uh, yeah. Um, have you ever messed around with uh, boneless butts ever, or have you ever been caught in a pickle where uh, bone in butts weren't uh, available and you've had to go boneless? Last year, the contest, uh, they just opened a uh, U.S. Food Chef store in Oklahoma City. 
kind of a Sam's type of wholesale house and went there and they had a big package of butts. It was like 21 pounds for this package of butts. The muscles looked great. They're fine. And, and I got them, got them home, got ready to trim them and they were boneless butts. Only time I ever cooked boneless butts ever. And that was our first, first place pork call in Okima, Oklahoma last year. Uh, but with a boneless butt, that was the first time I had been to a class where, uh, uh, the class they taught us how to bone out one and then leave one whole just to get more bark, but it, it doesn't work in my profile either. Did you find it to be more of a like a more a more of a difficult cook in in the process? No, I mean it cooked about the same. I mean you could open it up obviously and get more rub around it and stuff, but uh, it, there's to me there's no advantage. Uh, Matt Barber ever uh, messed around on purpose or uh, out of uh, emergency uh, dealing with the the boneless butt, or is it always bone in for you? Uh, I prefer bone in, but uh, you know I've I've done that same thing. I accidentally grab a pack that has great looking money muscles on it, and then get to a contest and realize you got you know, two packs of boneless butts, uh, and you just hope there hope hope the guy taking the bone out was was gentle, but. Uh, <laughs> I haven't had terrible luck with them. Uh, I still prefer the bone in myself, but, uh, you know, I can't really, t- if you cook enough of them, uh, you know, with FDA, you got to, you got to put at least three or four pounds of meat in the box. So you you got to cook, cook a bunch to have, you know, to turn in the best pieces from all of them. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's just nicer to, to have the bone in and be able to tr- trim that muscle out yourself and not worry about, you know, how bad they hacked it up getting the bone out. Uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's, ever uh, cooked boneless on purpose or ever been stuck in a situation where that was the only option? Every single week I, I cook boneless. Every I, single uh, week? I, I, I Every single week. I trim the bone out every week. Uh, is that something that you uh, progressed or evolved into, or were you always uh, carving the bone out when you started? Um, no, I've been doing that. You know, most of this year, and it, and it really came to do with trying to get the weight of my pork butts down. You know, because the the lighter they were, the faster they cooked. You know, so as I'm cooking, and we'll get into that. You know, I'm kind of I kind of like my sleep. I need my beauty sleep. My pork doesn't go on till seven o'clock in the morning, so you really can't do that with big eight ten eight ten pound butts. So you know, I'm trimming a boneless down to four point one pounds. There's a uh, uh, perhaps a running fallacy uh, out there on the internet that the boneless butt will have a tendency to fall apart on its own as it's cooking. Uh, I'm guessing uh, you're either a not finding that or you're doing something to prevent it. If that's the case, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't notice any difference. I don't notice really any difference. And only difference I know is that it cooks faster. Yeah, because it's uh, weighs less. Um, uh, let me uh, let me go high level here just for a second. Uh, let me uh, go to Dave uh, Qualls here to start out, and then we'll go through the rest of the panel. You know, when you're looking at the butts, you know, wherever you're getting them at, uh, for the people that might just be getting into the competition scene, or maybe just in the backyard, you know, what are the things that you're looking for? Two or three most important things you're looking for when you see the butt uh, that says that's one I want to get, or that's one I want to leave on the rack. Well, I'm always trying to look for a butt that's got a good uniform shape. Uh, 
I use Comparts, and, and, and the Duroc Bud is cut a lot different than what you'll see in a grocery store, and I think that's what throws a lot of people off, too, is it's a smaller hog, and smaller in that, in, in the way the, the, the money muscle, if you will, tapers on that one, can be a little deceiving sometimes, but uh, anymore, honestly, you know, I buy Comparts and get them in, and I'll have 40 butts out there, and I just go grab two and then trim them down to how I want them to look, but yes, Normally, if you're in the store, you want to find one that's got a good, that front muscle opposite end of the bone. We all know it's called the money muscle. We want to look for a good full one across there in uniform butts, you know, two butts that are the same size, if you will. Uh, Darren, uh, what are you uh, looking for, two or three key factors and what's going to be a purchase and what's going to be a left behind? Yeah, I'm going to look at the color. I, I really like the dark red color. It seems like the color, if it's colored better, it seems to a, a deep red seems to be marble better and one of the things i kind of look for i seem to score better if that fat is on that butt is really really white you know sometimes you get fat that's yellowish and and it's and it's kind of mushy and whatever or sometimes you get it where it's a really really hard white fat yep. um but i'm mainly cooking for the money muscle so that's number one of course and then i'm going for the the redness and the you know the marbling and then looking for the white fat uh, Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, a uh, couple top two, three things you're looking for in the pork butt? Uh, well, yeah, primarily, you know, the same as in, you know, the first I look for the mud muscle. Uh, I want to find one as tall as I can uh, and one that, you know, gets, gets the full width of the side of the butt. Uh, other than that, I just mainly look for for a couple of butts that are the same size, you know, that way that they're all going to cook some at the same time. Uh, but other than that, that's it. That money muscle is my main concern. Uh, that and, and how fresh it is. You know, try, try and find the right pack date. Uh, make sure you're not getting stuck with an old butt. Uh, uh, Matt, let me follow up with you uh, on this question. Uh, how many butts do you typically cook for a competition? I cook four. Four, wow. Uh, Darren, yeah. how many butts are you uh, cooking at a competition? Yeah, I, I cook four, too. Or as well. All boneless, of course. Uh, David Qualls, how many butts are you cooking at a competition? Three. Three. All right. Um, Dave, let me uh, stick with you here uh, for following up. Uh, as far as a trimming process, uh, there has been, you know, over the years of me doing the show, there's been guys that have been uh, very artsy with the knife work. There's been guys that said, I don't trim one lick. And there's been guys that do something in between. Uh, what's the American Dream Barbecue Team trimming process uh, for the pork butts? I trim pretty much the same this year as I did last year, even though the rules changed a little bit on that. Uh, you know, I, I trim a lot of the fat off, obviously, and uh, open up that area back there around the horn and stuff and get that sinew out of the way and then open up around the money muscle and try and shape it to get as much smoke as you can. And then uh, just, you know, you make sure you don't separate that piece when you're going to tear it and just, Take all the excess fat off, hangers on, as they'll say, you know, uh, little points and, and strips and stuff like that. Just keep it really good and clean so once it's in the smoker, it's not creating a lot of problems. It's going to tear foil when you get to the wrap phase. Uh, Matt, trimming process for you? Uh, pretty much the same. You know, I trim all the fat cap off. Uh, you know, I, I cook in a pan, so that, that kind of keeps my pants from overflowing at times. So I trim all the fat cap off and I trim the money muscle out probably about halfway. Uh, I, kind of, I don't really overdo it. Uh, so it's probably still 50% attached. Uh, 
And other than that, I, you know, I just trim, trim around the bone and get that uh, weird little fat membrane out from uh, in between that flap of the bone and the horn is. And other than that, that's pretty much it. I just check and make sure there's not any uh, little slivers of cartilage up on up, up on the uh, the bottom side of the butt that might uh, not get trimmed off. I try to make sure I, I search around for any little miscellaneous little cartilage pieces. Uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smoky Dees, uh, trimming process. Trimming process, uh, <laughs> I just hack the crap out of it. You know, I uh, I trim along the, the bottom side of that bone all the way into the bone, then I trim around the bone, I go down to the fat. So I'm just pretty much taking a rectangle, including that fat or the bone out of the center of that, and then I'm laying it wide open and trimming that money muscle down um to where it is and then i'm throwing it constantly on the scale because i got you know since the money muscle is sitting up now i've got i've got fat sitting on one side and meat sitting on one side and i start trimming that meat side down um and the fat and squaring it up because really what i'm looking for is space you know i'm trying to get that thing as small as possible um and still be right at 4.1 pounds so it's constantly i'm just shaving stuff off um throwing it on the scale trying to hit that 4.1 pound mark. All right. Uh, as far as a tri- uh, as far as injecting or brining, let's uh, go back to David Qualls here real quick. Uh, a, I guess, ha- have you ever brined a pork butt? And then uh, B, if not, are you, uh, I would assume, injecting, if you're injecting uh, something you're making yourself, or is it a, a commercially made product? Well, I've never brined. I inject and I use a, a commercial product. Uh, would you like to share who you're using right now, David? Well, sure. He's sitting up there in your audience. Uh, you got to trust your butcher. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Barber, um, do you inject? Uh, have you ever brined? Uh, if you do inject, um, who are you using right now? Um, I've never brined. Um, I do inject. I make, I make my own injection. Um, I do use a little bit of butcher's pork in it. Uh but it's kind of my own little concoction uh, with, a, with a touch of butchers. And uh, last but not least, Darren Worth, Iowa Smoky D's. Uh, injecting, uh, if so, is it commercially made? Uh, if not, um, are you making your own? And have you ever brined a pork butt for fun? You know, you know, I haven't. Uh, I got in a kick for a while where I was almost dry brining. I was curing. You know, I had a curing curing uh, stuff that you would cure bacon and Canadian bacon with and stuff that I used to coat the butt with for a certain amount of time, then wash it off and, and start over again to try and get a little bit of that hammy taste, if you would. Um, but, you know, now I'm just smoke on wheels straight out of the bottle. No, there's no, sorry, David, no uh, injections in there at all. Just uh, smoke on wheels straight out of the bottle. Oh, I just lost my page. All right, um, Darren, let's stay with you here just for a second. As far as let me get your picture back up there, uh, I was talking Is it a with good picture. Aren't they all good pictures? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I got a couple. I got a couple from last weekend that probably aren't the greatest. <laughs> Have you ever, or do you subscribe to the setting out of the butts for a, kind of a warm up or a, a room temperature session before you get them onto the cooker? Uh, you know, my butts sit out for about an hour. Um, I take them out as soon as my brisket goes on the cooker. I'll take the butts out, set them on the table, and, you know, that's when I actually season them. So, you know, they come out and they sit out for 
you know, more for just seasoning standpoint than anything. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, uh, do you uh, set your butts out on purpose to uh, get a little room temperature stuff or uh, not really? I set them out about an hour before they go on. When I light the pit, I, uh, I go pull them out, and then when they go on, it takes a pit about an hour to get up to the temp I want it to settle in, and that's where I put them in at that point. Uh, Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, um, are you uh, letting your pork come out to room temperature for any reason? Um, not really. Uh, after I, after I do my injection and prep, I, uh, what I do is I throw a pan of ice in my can, bro, when I set my meats in there. Uh, so they're, they're probably not ice cold, but, uh, I mean, if anything, I might let them set out 10, 15 minutes, but not, nothing major. Other than that, they're going in, they're going from the camera right back in, right into the cooker. Are are you shooting for the emergence of a of a smoke ring that you can see on a pork butt mat, or is that not really that big of a concern? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, that's that's not that's not why I do that. It's just uh, it's just been part of my timing and process, and and uh, you know, part of the reason why I use the camera as a cooler for the first half is just because I've, I've had too many bad spills with holes and bags and. So this way, at least I know nothing's going to get wet and soaked, uh, and you have to start my process half over again. Uh, Darren, do you uh, do you shoot specifically for any type of a smoke ring formation on the pork, or not so much? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Of course, you you want that. You want that money muscle looking good. Sometimes that's hard to. Sometimes it's hard to believe, but burning all wood. Sometimes that's hard to do. But you know, the key to me is just moisture. You know, I'm I'm constantly spraying that pork butt with water once that bark set. You know, at 30 minutes into the cook, I'm getting that with water every every 15 minutes. You know, and that's really helping with a deep smoke ring. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team. Uh, do you shoot for a, a, a deep smoke ring, or is it not that big of a deal? Do you? No, I think Jamie Gear took care of that problem for me. Uh, the jambo just naturally puts good smoke across there, and I, I don't really worry about it much. I, I, my briskets and my butts have great smoke on them, just in the inherent nature way the jambo runs. Uh, just to, to recap, Dave, when you said you'd uh, set your meat out, is that also when you were uh, rubbing it? Are you talking to me? Yes. No, I uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. Really. All right, so well in advance. Uh, Darren, you were like an hour outside of putting it on, right, for rubbing? Yeah, yeah, I'm an hour. As soon as the brisket goes on the pit, I'll grab the pork butts and season them. And uh, Matt Barber, how uh, soon in advance are you rubbing your butts before you put them on the cooker? Uh, I try and have them injected and rubbed down around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I, I put them on around 9 o'clock at night. Uh, all right, uh, Matt, anything else you're uh, doing in the in the prep stage before you put it on the cooker that you want to share? Um, the only thing I do is I spread a little bit of brown sugar on top, which I'm sure probably isn't that uncommon, but, uh, I mean, I, I do my injection, uh, mainly it's around the money muscle area and the horn. Um, then I apply my rub on the top and bottom and, and all the sides. And then I just kind of sprinkle the top with some brown sugar and set on the, set on the camera and let it just rest for a couple hours. I'm going to go straight, straight on the, straight on the smoker. Uh, Darren, anything else you're doing in the prep stage before you let it hit the smoke? No, pretty much just rub it. I'm, I'm pretty simplistic. Just rub it and put it on. 
And uh, David Qualls, anything else you're doing in the prep stage before you uh, get it on the cooker there? Actually, no. I mean, uh, like I say, I shoot up at, at, at 2 o'clock and rub it, and after that, it's right back in the uh, refrigerator until 3 in the morning. All right, there you go. We have uh, finished the prep stage of the competition pork butt roundtable. Gents, relax, take a break. Well-deserved. We'll get into the cooking section here in just a second. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about a guy that I talked to uh, earlier today. Said my watch and earrings were ready. Stephen DeFranco. Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, barbecue jeweler of the stars. Just ask uh, any number of people that have uh, now done business with Stephen, always telling me about this person bought this, this person bought that. You should consider it. You got a big deal wedding or an anniversary, or maybe you're looking to catch the uh, fancy of some young, uh, some young lady or lad. Stephen DeFranco certainly the place you want to go. StephenDeFranco.com. That's D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O. He's got a phone number you want to call directly at 440-943-2700. When somebody answers the phone, if it's not Steve, ask for Steve directly. When he gets on the phone, tell me your barbecue brother's sister. Tell him what you found on the website, or if you're local to Cleveland, stop in. He's more than happy to see you. Uh, I like to recommend Steve on any number of fronts. Uh, if you like the diamond stuff, you need a, a wedding band, you need an engagement ring. You know, certainly stuff that you're going to want to see in person, but he's going to be able to save you some money and counsel you in a right way. You're not going to go to some big box store in the mall or uh, have to deal with some punk who's got a terribly bad suit off the rack and is just going to talk you up into something that you really can't afford so he can make his commission check bigger. Forget about that. Steve wants to have your business, you know, now, but he wants to have it in the future as well. That's why he wants you to consult with him directly. He's got the full line of the Bolova watches, the Precisionist, the Standard Bolova, the Accutron, the High Line. He's got the uh, Citizen's watches. He's got the Phillips and Company watches. Everything else that you want to see, you can again find on the website, stephendefranco.com. That's stephendefranco.com. Or call him directly at 440-943-2700. Stephen DeFranco, proud sponsor and happy to have him of the Barbecue Central Show for years now, believe it or not. I remember when Steven came on, he's like, I want to be a sponsor of the show. It's like, worst idea ever. Ever. I'm not taking your money, Steven. You're a jeweler. This is a barbecue show. I'm a barbecue guy. I want to... Now look at him, Desmond. He's a star. Yeah, he's making it happen. Desmond, are you learning stuff on the barbecue roundtable tonight? Yes, I am. Three of the top pork cooks right here. All right, uh, we'll step away for about five seconds, and we'll come back with a cooking procedure. Get your notes and your pens and your pencils and your writing utensils. It's the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living, the women, the whiskey, craziness. All right, we are back. Competition Pork Butt Roundtable. Rarely will I go to the uh, the line for uh, for questions here. But I had one come in. I believe uh, he thought this was uh, David, but I think actually Darren said this. Darren, did you uh, specifically mention that you, like, you wanted pork butts at like 4.1 pounds or whatever? Yes. Uh, is is it was it for space or it was just for the, the fact that you can get it done quicker, right? 
Well, it's it's both. Space and speed? Yeah, I mean, I'm able to cook four pork butts because I can get the footprint of each butt down to fit in the jambo, whereas, you know, it's it's always, you know, space is at a premium in the jambo if you're going to cook, have all four meats cooking on there at once. You know, so it was being able to get the, the footprint of the butt down plus being able to cook it fast. All right, uh, let me stay with you here, Darren. Um, as far as, since you're putting them on at like 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever, uh, how long are you allotting for the pork to actually cook before you uh, do any type of a hold? Before I do any type of hold? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I put my pork on at 7 o'clock in the morning, and every single week, right as I'm doing chicken, turn in between 11.45 and 12, those pork butts are coming off, all four of them, almost exactly the same time. All right, so right about four or five hours-ish. Uh, Yep, yep. All right. Uh, Matt Barber, uh, how long are you allotting for the pork butts to cook? Uh, they go on around 9 o'clock at night. Uh, and they're coming off anywhere between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, when are you uh, throwing the butts on the cook? Uh, I go on at 4 in the morning, and they're done. Rule of thumb, usually between 8.30 and 9 depending on the size of the butt. Right. Uh, Dave, let's stay with you for this one. Uh, wood smoke for flavor. Uh, anything you're using in particular, or are you just uh, looking more for heat? Oh, con. Um, you know, I started with uh, charcoal. So I like the picture of meathead. So, I mean, Darren's the one who taught me how to put a fire in a jambo anyway. I started with some charcoal and uh, then con the rest of the way. Uh, Darren, uh, wood smoke for uh, flavor or just uh, wood for heat? Um, well, both. You know, like I, like David said, I start a I start a small charcoal fire um, and pecan wood all the way through. And uh, Matt Barber, what kind of uh, wood are you using for uh, smoke flavor? Uh, I use pecan as well. I uh, sometimes I've used peach, uh, but for the most part, it's probably. 85%, 90 uh, percent pecan wood. Matt, you cook a lot of competitions, uh, especially out there in the southeast. Uh, would you say that uh, pecan wood is a uh, overwhelming majority of choice, or is it still you know split pretty much between a pecan, uh, maybe a cherry, maybe a hickory, an apple, or what are you seeing out there on the trail? Um, for me, it's primarily pecan and peach. Uh, you know, those, those are the, the, the woods I, I see and smell the most. Uh, there's probably a little bit of cherry, but for the most part, um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's, it's pecan and peach. Uh, Darren, you're cooking every weekend almost. Uh, do you see a, a wide majority of people going to, to, the, pe- to the pecan, uh, or is it uh, not as pervasive as one might think? You know, I, you know, most of the jambo cooks I know that, that run pecan, you know, it's not pecan, according to David Roper this weekend. That's what <laughs> happens when you're driving down the road and you need to take a leak. That's the pecan. <laughs> the pecan is, uh, you know, the wood. But, no, I mean, we see a lot of stuff. I see some hickory. I see hickory cherry mix. I see some pecan cherry mix. You know, it, it's pretty much where you're cooking. You know, we cook all over the country, but... You know, the woods kind of follow what's there, you know. So in Iowa, we've got a lot of hickory and cherry. Not, we don't have any pecan. We have to bring it in from Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas. So, uh, David Qualls, um, 
do you uh, do you see a lot of uh, a specific wood as you uh, drive around the competition trail, or is it you know wh- wherever you are is probably what you're using? You know, I haven't really paid attention to anybody else is using. You know, I, I have pecan trying to buy uh, ricks here, obviously in the middle of Oklahoma. Pecan wood's very prevalent. I try and buy my ricks after the sap has gone down in the wintertime, get them cut up and get them fell at that point, and uh, then split them myself with a splitter. And uh, when I don't get my finger in the splitter, but anyway, then <laughs> uh, keep on stack and carry it with me wherever I go. Uh, Dave, we'll stay with you for this question. What uh, temperature are you keeping the pit at when you're cooking the pork butts? You know, the Jambo just kind of has a mind of its own. And uh, Scott King, when I first got it, Scott King came down and gave me a little pig down, gave me a lot of help with getting, getting it. And the transition to the R&O is a lot the same, except I like my fire. The Jambo may jump up to around 320 there for a little while, and I don't fight it. I just go back to bed. But I like to cook my big meats at 300. And, and that's where the jambo likes to cook at, too, my day. So, you know, I kind of adjust my cooking times to where the pit's easiest to control. Uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smoky D's, where you like to keep the pit temperature at? Uh, when I'm cooking pork, it's kind of in a transition because, you know, I've, as of late, um, I just kind of let that pit run. You know, that jambo, you know, normally um, by the time I put my brisket on, I'm running 375, 400 sometimes. Um, and I let that run and then I start, it just kind of idles naturally down, you know, on a seven o'clock in the morning, it's probably about three and a quarter. And then by seven 30, I'm bringing it down to two seventy five because that's where I want my ribs. So it's kind of this transition that you see that, you know, it's probably a falling temperature, the, the first half hour that pork's on, um, but could still be very hot. Uh, Matt Barber, hot Wachulas, where do you like to keep the pit temperature at? I'm low and slow, and I'm probably 240, 250. Uh, I mean, I've got pretty much everything set at 250, uh, everything I cook, uh, and that's just kind of where it stays at. But have you ever, like, messed around with the uh, quote-unquote hot and fast or the power cooking? Um, no, not really. Uh, the, the low and slow seems to work for my sleep. <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, uh, and I think everybody is everybody else here uh, one man cook team for the most part. Or, uh, but for me, it's uh, you know every every I've timed everything in, as far as my tents and my times and when I put stuff on is to try and get the most sleep that I can. Uh, I, I'm not going to speak for Darren and Dave, but I believe uh, their uh, lovely wives uh, also help them cook uh, for more or less. Yeah. Darren, is that a safe assumption? Um, my wife. Is the social chair, so she, she puts some parsley in the boxes, and and she's really in charge of entertainment. Um, but she, her hands have really never touched the handle on that pit. Uh, Dave, uh, is it is it a one man team with with a uh, with a social chair with Chris, or does she uh, do a little bit more work? No, no, Chris is involved. Uh, she she handles pretty much all the chicken work and does the boxes, and uh, it's a combined effort when we're making the boxes but uh, outside oh, as far as dealing with the pit and pit temperature that's all me uh, dave are you uh doing any type of basting or, or mopping or spraying at this point of the cook no not really you know I, I i when i put it on i put it on and i don't really open it up and do much with it 
until it's uh, time to wrap. Darren, you said you are uh, spraying like every 15 minutes or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm drowning. I'm drowning my briskets and my butts. You know, as soon as I get any sort of bark set, I'm, uh, I'm drowning in the water trying to, you know, Mr. Blonder told me I need to keep my uh, <laughs> surface temperature moist. Um, you know, so, you know, that's what I do. And, and just a little bit at the end for our wrap, I'll actually bring out a little bottle of apple juice and hit them with there, but I don't want to do that too quick because burning hot um, tends to want to really put a crust on there that I don't want. So and pretty much water all the way, all the way through a couple, couple squirts of uh, apple juice, but for the most part, water. Uh, Matt Barber, any uh, basting, mopping, or spraying at this point of the cook? No, no, not at all. all right. Let it ride till it's time to wrap. Uh, so that's uh, a nice dovetail, and we'll uh, stick with you for that one. Um, when you wrap uh, during the cooking process, it is, uh, is it an internal temperature thing for you? Is it a feel thing for you? Is it a color thing for you? When do you decide to wrap the butt? Kind of a temp color thing uh it just happens to work out that it's it it kind of fits my time schedule but uh usually you know i rather between 160 and 170 uh you know but mainly once once it's got a nice good color to it um and usually time-wise that's around usually around three in the morning uh darren worth iowa smoky d's um what are your visual or Temperature cues on when to, to to wrap the butt if you wrap it. Um, really, just timing. You know, I wrap my ribs at nine thirty, and as soon as I wrap my ribs, I wrap my pork. You know, and it's just it, it kind of looks the same week in and week out. You know, it's just you know that's part of being consistent. And you know, so it's pretty much that two and a half hour, two hour and forty minute mark. It's going to the foil. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team. Anything that you're looking for uh, to, to make that wrapping process happen? No, uh, it's just repetitive. Like I say, three hours and I wrap. Uh, I don't even stab it with a temperature probe. It's just you know, I know after three hours, Jambo's going to do its thing. Early on, I tried four hours and didn't really like it. I thought I was, you know, getting it too dry. And so uh, we wrapped it three hours and, and, and go. Uh, Darren, let me uh, come back to you uh, and ask you this question. Uh, this is more of a, a high-level question for people that uh, maybe aren't as familiar with the ins and outs of the butt. That sounds uh, very funny now that I'm saying that out loud. Uh, for instance, my guest uh, Darren Mot- or Darren, uh, Desmond Motley, uh, neighbor, you know, he d- he's not as uh, familiar with all the muscles that are in the pork butt there. So uh, can you explain uh, for the audience what the money muscle is? And who was that? Were you saying that to me? Yeah, Darren, yeah. Okay, sorry, I had people texting in. Ridiculous. Um, what's the money muscle? The opposite end of the bone. Um, you know, some people call the money muscle, there's a group of five muscles there um, that some people will take that whole end and call that the money muscle. And then there's some that just take that very single muscle clear on the end of the butt um, and carve that out. So I think there's two definitions of money muscle there. Uh, do you, Darren, are you specifically cooking for the money muscle and nothing else, or will you also uh, cook for, for other portions of the butt? Uh, no, it's, it's totally 100% money muscle. Wow. Uh, Matt Barber, only money muscle for turn-in, or uh, will you turn in some, uh, or, or are you also cooking for other portions? Uh, we cook for other portions. I mean, uh, 
pretty much for for an FBA box, you got to put. Uh, I call you know I call that one. Sometimes it's divided into two pieces, but the the main one money muscle on the end, and then the other uh, other smaller ones I, I call those tubes because uh, uh, they end up not having really any on them. Uh, but usually I turn in slices of the money muscle, chunks of the tube, and then just big chunks of bark from other parts, you know, maybe around the bone. Or um, So usually I'll cook two butts for the money muscle, and then I'll cook two butts for the for the other bark pieces and the, and the tubes. But they tend to uh, need a little bit more temperature and time. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, uh, are you cooking specifically for the money muscle, or uh, will you turn in other stuff? Well, I cook three bullets, and, and two of them, you know, are cooked geared specifically for that. And then the third one is just an exploratory. You know, I mean, if there's some things in there that I like, I use. If there's not, I don't. I, I put in a box full of meat. You know there's something in that box when you pick it up as a table captain. Uh, are you shooting for a specific internal temperature to finish, David? Of course, yes. Uh, Compars cook a little faster than regular butts. Too. So, you know, I, I shoot my alarms on the used chef alarm, and, uh, you know, I set them for 192. And uh, when the alarm goes off, then I have to take a look and, you know, hit it around a little bit with a the thermal pin at that point and then uh, bring it off there. If I was using IBPs or something, I'd be going 195, you know, somewhere around there, 198 for that tenderness. Uh, Darren, do you shoot for a, a target temperature internal, or is it just time for you still? Yeah, no, I'm I'm shooting target temperature. I'm not trying to go into the money muscle, though. I'm trying to stay below it. But you know, every time when a butt gets done, I've you know, I take I don't even, I never even touch the money muscle till it comes off the pit. And every time I come off the pit, about two hundred five to two hundred seven every time. Uh, Matt Barber, Iowa. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, uh, Hot Wachulas. Iowa, uh, Iowa Hot Wachulas. Iowa Chulas. It's a new it's a new competition team going to uh, shatter the world. Uh, are you shooting for a specific internal temperature, Matt? Uh, n- not really, more of a feel, but but I start checking around 195, uh, and, and I'll probe kind of behind the money muscle a little bit. Uh, and when it probes probes tender, that's when it's uh, time to come out and let it vent for a little bit. Uh, Matt, is there anything else that you're doing during the cooking process that we haven't touched on? Um. I mean, the only stuff, I mean, I do add some stuff when I wrap it. What uh, uh, What are you putting on it? Uh, I just I just kind of baste it with uh, my smoky barbecue sauce. Uh, and, and actually, at that point, I tend to I flip it. You know, I, I cook it. I cook it fat side down, and when I wrap it, I flip it so the fat cap is up. Uh, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you if that helps or hurts. It does any bit of difference, but that's just... Uh, uh, just one of my one of the things that I do. Then I just uh, kind of just baste it with about a cup cups worth of uh, my barbecue sauce. Uh, Darren, anything? And then wrap it up. Uh, anything else you're doing during the cooking process that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, no, when I wrap, you know, I mean, when I wrap, it's getting it's getting butter, lots of lots of butter. It's getting brown sugar um, and honey that's going in and really I'm not sure that's trying to affect the taste of the butt more as it is trying to affect the taste of the final all you that I'm going to use in the finishing process. 
Uh, David Qualls, anything else that you're doing during the uh, cooking process, adding anything to the to the foiling, stuff like that? I'm similar to Darren there. You know, I'm adding another layer of, of a different rub when I foil, believe it or not, and, and uh, then adding more liquid. And, and I believe, like I said, at that point, like Darren said, it's more for the final juice to work with and uh, to augment the flavor at that point. All right, uh, one more quick break, and we will get to the uh, post-cook, uh, how you're uh, getting ready to turn it in, uh, all that good stuff here. Uh, we're thanking Darren Worth, David Qualls, and Matt Barber, the competition pork butt roundtable. Uh, quickly, I'll talk to you about the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. If you've been thinking about automatic control devices for your pit, stop here. These are the guys that started it all creators of the technology why would you be buying this from uh, somebody else i don't know you should be going to thebbqguru.com if you're not familiar with how these little beauties work i'm not going to get into the minute detail but imagine a product that allows you to set your temperature and one set keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook sounds too good to be true it's not it's real life technology you can take advantage of today because hey maybe you're a busy working professional like me trying to grind out a living for the man Perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, and uh, quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a couple slabs of ribs, a brisket. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Currently, a number of different miles to choose from. Uh, while we're talking competition, uh, the one that seems to be really popular on the competition trail, that uh, CyberQ Wi-Fi. You can hook up to it. You can control pit temperatures. You can monitor internal temperatures of meat all from your smart device, your tablet, your laptop, your netbook, whatever it is that you got. Also, another popular one, Party Cube, runs on AA batteries. It'll move from cooker to cooker. Easiest point of entry for $149, uh, $10 more for your uh, Kamado or your Big Green Egg style cookers. And if you're in the market for a cooker, the Onyx Oven is the one you want to check out been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, accommodates half and full pans for food service, and of course you know it's going to work seamlessly with that barbecue guru pit temperature control device that you're going to buy as well. So do yourself a favor, head on over to the bbqguru.com, check out all the products, and if you have any questions about what to order, don't hesitate. Call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU, and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. Let's do post-cook stuff with the competition pork butt roundtable. Stick around. Be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. Competition pork butt roundtable. Darren Worth, David Qualls, Matt Barber. I was Smokey D's, American Dream Barbecue team, and Hot Wachulas, respectively. All right, uh, let's quickly get into the uh, post-cook stuff. So, uh, Dave, let's start with you since I got your picture up. You know, after the butt has reached its target temperature, um, are you looking to hold it for a certain amount of time prior to building that box, or do you just run with it? Oh, well, obviously, I said earlier that, that I'm usually done between, I like to have them off between 8, 30, and 9 for a good rest period. And then, uh, obviously, we don't start building that box till around 12, 30 uh, as soon as we turn in ribs. So, yes, I'm holding it in the Cambro. 
how whether we've in it or 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 not depends on the weather that day. You know, if it's a cold wintry day, you know, and it's cold, I don't. If it's really hot in the middle of summer, you know, I'll let her bend down a little bit. But uh, uh, the reason why I pull my butts at the temperature I do is because I, you know, I don't. That I'm going to hold them a long time. I don't have to worry about stalling that cook process so much at that point. Uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smoky Dees. Are you uh, allotting or are you hoping to get a certain amount of hold time after your butts are finished? Um, as as short a hold time as possible. You know, those those butts are coming off 11.45 to 12, like I said. I'm taking them out of the cooker. Um, I'm just throwing them on the floor of the trailer right underneath the jambo. Um, and I'm still leaving the alarms. I'm, I'm trying to get that temp to come down 20, 25 degrees. Um, I'm not venting at all, 100% covered. Once they come down 20 to 25 degrees, they uh, hit the cambro, and very rarely do they ever hit the cambro. Usually it's coming down. I mean, the timing is so precise for some reason with this new method that, you know, by the time I get ribs turned in and it's time to start that pork turn in, you know, the alarms are going off saying, hey, this thing's already got 20 degrees and we're ready to go. So very little hold time. Uh, Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, are you uh, looking for a certain amount of hold time uh, once those butts get done? I, I try to. Uh, you know, my goal is to have have my have the butts done by eight o'clock, because uh, at that point, uh, you know, I got to start putting my chicken together. <laughs> so, so uh, I try and have them in that camera by eight o'clock. If, if at all possible, um, or at least two of them, uh, you know, that way I can move some stuff around in the cooker, uh, make room for the chicken. Uh, Matt, when you're uh, building that box, um, are you also uh, hitting that final product with any type of a sauce or uh, a pork glaze or anything like that, spraying it? Uh, what's happening right before you close it up and run it? I got kind of a... Uh, I got a glaze for for the muddy muscle. Um, it's a peach sauce uh, that I make, uh, and then I've got kind of a, a glaze that's kind of diluted with some of the au jus from the from the foil uh, to do the insides of the slices with. Uh, and and I kind of dip some of the smaller chunks uh, and bark pieces in that as well. Uh, Darren Worth, uh, before you close the top and run it out to the tent. Uh, are you saucing, glazing, misting, spraying, anything like that before you run it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm cutting off, I'm whacking off those four money muscles, throwing it on a um, cutting board, saucing at that point, slicing through them, put, hitting them with a little uh, you a little sauce, a little finishing rub, um, and putting them in the box and then spraying them with water once they're in the box. Uh, are you a, a, a like a blues hog sauce profile guy, or what uh, what profile are you using these days? You know, I, I've been back and forth on pork this year, and I've and I've done well both. I mean, I really like countryside made in Iowa. Um, the other thing, Swamp Boys, is just uh, a rubs come up with that killer sauce that I love um, too. And I've been kind of back and forth, you know. And I'm still trying to decide what I'm going to do this weekend. But I've I've scored. I've actually scored with both of them very very well. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what Darren's going to do right now this weekend. Whoever sends him most for free, he will use that this weekend. All right. Uh, David Qualls, uh, sauce-wise, are you glazing the pork? Are you saucing the pork, spraying the pork before you uh, you turn it in? What's, uh, what's going on there in the camp? I'm, 
I'm pretty much the same process of what Darren just explained, but I, Darren knows this because we talk about it. So I've probably got three or four separate different pork sauces on me at all the time. And it's just to me, it's kind of crazy, but it depends on where I'm at. And just what, once we start working down the pork for turn in, which sauce I'm going to use. You know, I honestly, I, you know, I believe that sometimes if my pork feels a little salty, I'll use a different sauce. If, if I don't feel like it's there, I'll use a different sauce from there. And uh, there's really not a method to that other than it's a gut feeling at this point. All right, uh, let me go back down the list. Uh, well, uh, let me uh, ask the, the final question here on the, the post. Uh, Dave, is there anything else that you're doing uh, after the cook before you run it in, or are you, uh, you pretty much done at this point? Uh, we're pretty much done at that point, uh, and it's it's a process for us because there's where my wife comes in really strong is when it's time to make that box. You know, I start harvesting the pieces. She goes through the coals, decides, you know, you know where we're going to get on sauce, and we have about three or four different box configurations. And a lot of that depends on, you know, how we harvest the meat that we're putting in, and uh, it's, thank God, it's all, it's all hit, you know, and... and we're not sitting number one because it's all on our own because there's a lot of folks out there that's helped us along the way. And, you know, Darren has been a big help to me and as well as Dave Bosco. Uh, so it's, you know, just because we're number one doesn't mean we came up with a lot of things on our own. No. Uh, Darren Worth, anything else you're doing prior to, to turn in aside from helping, uh, David Qualls be number one in pork yeah, right now in case. Yeah, yeah, I help him. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. He's, he's, he's dropped a little bit overall. So he's, he's, He's got to learn it's a four-category game. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's it for you, though? You're, you're running right now? Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, Matt, anything else you're doing before uh, you, you run the box into the tent, or are you, uh, you're good at this point? Not, but usually I am running. <laughs> right. You're a one-man team. you got right. to get I'm, back. I'm four-minute McGee. I mean, it, it's, it's at least 4 o'clock by the, time, you know, by the time I get to that turn table. Every single time, it seems like. All right. Uh, so we will look to wrap up right now. We come to the parting shots segment. I'll uh, go to each panel member in turn. Uh, go ahead and promote anything you got going on, uh, anything you want to talk about or, or whatever. The floor is open. Uh, we'll start with the uh, reigning Florida Barbecue Association champion, Hot Wachula's pitmaster, Matt Barber. Matt, the floor is yours. Well, hey, thanks, uh, first, uh, thanks for having me here. Um, well, first thing, uh, if you can, go, go like my my Killer Smoker uh, Facebook page. Uh, look for updates on those. Uh, like I said, I hope to have those, the production models out uh, towards the end of October. Uh, and two, if anybody's interested in getting any bottling information or getting their sauces made, uh, you know, I make I bottle Swamp, uh, Swamp Boys sauces. I do uh, Jim Elser's uh, Q Juice. Uh, we're working on some stuff for Rescue Smokers and Forest Fine Foods. So uh, if anybody has any, any questions or uh, wants any information on, on contract packaging or sauce bottling, just shoot me an email or uh, send me a Facebook message. That is uh, Matt Barber, pitmaster of Hot Wachulas. Uh, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team. Uh, promo time. Cut it. Uh, we're just having a Cinderella year for us. It's It's been great. Uh, like I said, I can't take the credit all ourselves. There's been a lot of people help us, give us nuggets along the way to be where we're at. And, and the one thing we've tried to be is teachable and learn and, and go. And, of course, we just took a week off this last week. 
to the first one, I think, in 17 weeks straight, but we'll be hitting it again next week and uh, be pretty strong all the way through the rest of the year. Uh, last but not least, uh, Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's. Uh, floor is yours, my friend. You know, we're just having fun. You know, that's what our barbecue, we could care less whether we won team of the year or got second, third, fourth, doesn't really matter to us. We're having fun. We're living the dream. We've got, you know, three barbecue restaurants in Des Moines, Iowa that are just doing phenomenal. The, the sales are better when I actually leave, so I try and be gone at least three or four days a week out on the barbecue circuit. Um, you can find out all the information if you're ever coming across Iowa. We're right on I-80, exit 135, smokydsbbq.com. Uh, you are listening to Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, and Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas. Uh, gentlemen, appreciate the time, the info, the insight on the competition pork butt roundtable that will now live in infamy. Uh, continued success, guys. Appreciate you coming out tonight. Thank you very much. There they are. The competition pork butt roundtable, if you can believe it or not. Desmond, what are you, your mind must be racing at the moment. I mean... You've sat through the brisket roundtable. You're now through the pork butt roundtable. Did you have any idea that could be this intricate? Yeah and no to (laughs) a certain extent. Like, I really wanted to get into more so, like, what particular... I mean, I know you guys are talking about maybe homemade injections or commercial... I mean, like, I've had yours before, your your, uh, pork butt before, and I, I don't know. I think I made... I don't know if I tasted like a celery seed or something. It was just amazing. That's and my that's my barbecue sauce. It's got a little celery salt in. Oh, it has celery salt yes. in. Yes. And then the bark and 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 yeah. you know, I mean, your bark is pretty good as well. But uh, you know, it's just some of the things I wanted to actually uh, you know have some insight to. Well, maybe uh, you know you have a microphone. Well, uh, hey, I got a question. You know, maybe next time. We got a ribs round table. We got a chicken round table coming up well, over the you, next two weeks. I mean, you're so in, invested in the questions that you already ask. Yeah, but it's my show. But if you yeah. want to ask something, you just raise your hand. Like this? Yeah. Like I can this, see you. I look like this big black goober yeah. just sitting in the middle of the... There he is. Yes, Desmond. <laughs> you can ask a question now. Park butt question. Here we go. All right. Let's uh, wrap it up here tonight. Uh, once again, Desmond, appreciate you coming on tonight, my man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Um, maybe next week for the uh, Ribs Roundtable. You want to learn about ribs? Yeah. We'll see. All right. Um, all the way back in the first hour, we had Meathead Goldwyn talking about the smoke ring, talking about his salt seminar, talking about his pitmasters club, all that stuff. And then the second hour, we had Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D's, David Qualls, American Dream Barbecue Team, and Matt Barber from Hot Watch is talking everything and anything in the world of competition pork. Uh, Both Darren and David are stars on the KCBS circuit, and Matt Barber is a star on the Florida Barbecue Association circuit. I think he uh, moonlights over with KCBS when he can, when he fits in, but that's a time thing and a distance thing. Um, If you have raw cast iron, season it each and every time, even after you use it. Uh, Heat it up, hit it with a grill brush as it starts to cool down, a little Pam, a little Crisco, let it burn back in. Generations of rust-free service. Uh, Also, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and for my neighbor Desmond Motley, this is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.